0: Welcome to Singing the Blues. I'm Dom Howson. And I'm James Marriott. Um, coming up on this week's show with our friends at Wednesday Bet and Title Law. Well, probably the most pathetic end to a season we've ever seen. Uh, we will start then at Fulham. Um, this, what a crazy, crazy game.
1: Well, it's a proper sort of end of season feel really to it. It's, it's almost, It was like the type of match that you would see on the final day of the season where neither side had anything to play for. But in fact, it was the exact opposite with uh, Fulham still going for automatic promotion and Wednesday needing points for different reasons. As we know, um, first half, Wednesday were outclassed, weren't they, James? It was just, it's as simple as that. I, I mean, when you compare the two teams, the two benches, it's chalk and cheese, isn't it? it, it you know, like they, they came down from the Premier League, twelve months ago and this isn't an excuse for Wednesday being outfought um outmaneuvered and outgunned by Fulham, especially in the opening forty five minutes. Uh, you know, I still think Wednesday you know, you, you know, they were the architects of their own downfall defensively. And it's the same problems that we talked about over and over again in twenty twenty. Uh, but at the same time when you when you're looking across and seeing Mitrovic, there was no Cavaliero that day, but Knockart, Kibano came in from the cold and was really lively on the left. And then you've got Harry Arter, Harrison Reed came off the bench, Hector at the back. It's, it's a world of difference, isn't it? It really is. They're like the poles are
0: that is true. However, there was a bit of a masterclass from Wednesday in how to basically not defend. Like that, there, there were some pretty horrendous defensive moments. Um, I, I, I mean, we could dissect them all, but we would be here until about ten o'clock tonight. So let's keep it fairly uh, brief. First goal, um, Joe Walsh should save that.
1: At the time, I, I actually wasn't so sure whether that was his fault. I was thinking that. Hector, given how much Wednesday should know about Michael Hector, they should be thinking, don't give Michael Hector time on the ball at the back to spray a crossfield pass when you know he's got the ability to do it 40, 50 yards. So he's pinged one out to that side. Um, Our good old friend Moses Odabajo is caught out of position or he didn't see it coming. He didn't cover himself in glory. Uh, But... Your point on Joe Wildsmith is valid. When you look at the replay, I think he should do better there. You know, it's at his near post. Um, And we might talk a bit more about the goalkeeping situation anyway, uh, in general, either in this podcast or over the summer, James. Uh, But certainly the last two matches, Joe Wildsmith has not signed off uh, in the best fashion. Uh, I would say. Uh, but it's a, it was a catalogue of errors, individual mistakes, basic, sloppy, defensive errors. And it it was that sort of uh, cliche that Gary Monk used after the match, isn't it? Of where they've kept back-to-back clean sheets against, it has to be said, two inferior teams, way inferior teams in QPR and Huddersfield. And we're thinking, oh, okay, three-man defence, Tom Lees has come back, made a big difference, heading in the right direction. Uh, and then, boom, go to Craven Cottage, and um, Wednesday were yeah ripped apart in the first half, particularly.
0: Um, like I say, I don't, I don't think there's any point trying to dissect all the goals because we've all seen them. We you know, we could all look at, you know, it was a, a poor challenge from I offer. I mean, there were there there were a catalogue of um, of errors, and it was probably as bad as we've been defensively this season. Then at the other end of the pitch, this weird thing going on, particularly at the start of the second half, where we actually look dangerous and it looks like we're going to score and you know, kind of getting back into the game at... I can't remember how the scoreline went. Did it go 3-1? And then you think, oh, maybe we're going to get back into it. And then four one four two four three i can't i can't even remember it was um just one of those you're right it felt like we well, felt like either an end of season game or like a pre-season friendly where they were just like scoring for fun like it doesn't really matter yeah four three What? we're just gonna have the other end and score another one um <laughs> it, it was all a little bit um crazy but we kind of come away from it thinking fulham were the better team absolutely were the better team Wednesday could actually have got something out of that game. You know, if if that last kind of five, ten minutes had played out slightly differently, it wouldn't have surprised me at all if Wednesday had come away with a point from that match.
1: Yeah, I think so. If they had maybe given themselves a bit more time. And what we saw second half was that the subs came on, made a big impact. Uh, Ati Nui and Jake Murphy livened everything up. Wednesday's front two in the first period in De Cruz and Windass. And I could see why Gary Monk went with them. He was he was looking to try and ex, you know expose Fulham's defence with the pace of De Cruz. And the week before, he, he'd done very well, I thought, at QPR. So I could understand him sticking with them, but they were bullied. Uh, and second half, what we saw was actually Ati Nui caused Hector and Tim Ream all sorts of problems in the air. Uh, and he's got history, as we know, hasn't he? Atty, of when he comes off the bench, uh, he is um, a nuisance. He is a nuisance. <laughs> um, and he is difficult and awkward to play against. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he was a great header for his second. But, yeah, it's the man of the moment for me, really, who changed it properly. And that's Jacob Murphy. Jacob Murphy. Uh, I've already said it, I, I really hope he comes back next season, but I fear that that could be a difficult deal for Wednesday to get done.
0: It feels like it's a long, even a long way from being able to start that conversation at the moment because there's so many other things to resolve first, isn't there? But um, yeah, all right. So... I, I, I don't really know what we take from the Fulham game, but it was what it was. We lost it. Um So we find ourselves in this situation with the way the other results kind of went. You look at the table and think, right, okay, that last day against Forest, a point you would think, well, that's going to leave us in a situation where if there's a nine-point deduction, we're going to, yeah probably be all right so you sort of it's almost like it would take uh, 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 like, uh, uh, all the fixtures to conspire against us to leave us in a situation where you know we're less than 9 points above the the bottom 3 and yet it was just one of those days that ev- everything did go against wednesday but for me it felt to me like the kind of game i it felt like it should have been the game that we approached needing a win to get out of trouble and the performance just didn't match that. The performance was one of a mid-table team that didn't really care.
1: Middlesbrough in the opening sort of. The 20- oh, did I say Forest? You did. I, um, I did
0: Yeah, sorry. It's been a,
1: it's been a long season, James. We'll forgive you. Um, They're yeah, playing Red, and you know, same thing. We're, we're trying to pretend it wasn't a Neil Warnock team, and rightly so. Um, but yeah, Middlesbrough. I thought they showed. Sort of greater intensity and purpose um, in, in the opening twenty minutes or so Wednesday were fortunate with the opener uh, but you know Burr had already hit the post uh, but yeah I, I, I thought actually then second half I thought Wednesday edged it, but it did that I, I thought the second half the tempo and everything about it, that had a real kind of pre-season feel about it. We, we, you know, Borough needed a point still to guarantee uh, survival, so they were happy with it. Uh, but for me, it, it again comes down to the fine margins and being ruthless in both boxes. and Wednesday, weren't. Jacob Murphy, the man you want the, the, you know, the best chance to fall to, he's got to score when he's side-footed wide after great play from Dominic Ayolf on the right. He doesn't. And then Wednesday, half the warning, a Sombolonga, he could have scored and he's you know, he's poked wide. And then at the end, they've got done. And it, it symptomatic. Summed up the season, as Gary Monk said, that was it in a nutshell, really, wasn't it? Of where um, lack of quality um, and the... the Decision-making, when it matters most, wasn't there. It wasn't up to scratch. And I am afraid that Joe Wildsmith, that goal was eerily similar of the one that he conceded against Man City. Joe Wildsmith will look back on that and think he should have kept some Belongers winner out. And I think if Wednesday had at least got a point on that final day, uh, the you, you wouldn't have got the negativity that we've had in the last 48 hours or so, especially on social media, which has gone into full meltdown. Um, I'm not saying a draw would have papered over the cracks, but at least Wednesday wouldn't have gone into the summer on the back of two successive defeats.
0: Yeah, and it's two defeats. It's seven goals conceded in um, two games, and and it's just a whole load of questions. And I'm not even getting into the off the field stuff here, but I, I find myself now looking at it. And for me, what that that um, Middlesbrough performance lacked was, uh, and it feels like it's same old story here. It, it lacked character in the second half. Like, I, I, I and this is the most frustrating thing right now about about watching the Sheffield Wednesday team is that I don't think anyone would doubt whether or not there's any quality there because there clearly is. You know, these are these are not terrible footballers. These are quite good footballers. And I think that's what makes it so so um it's beyond frustrating at the moment. It's just bewildering because they should they just should not be putting in a performance with that little character in a game that it could turn out just meant so much and uh, you know they they should be embarrassed they should be ashamed they shouldn't be able to sleep at night knowing that with their collective sum they ended up losing that game in that manner it was like a just you know rolling over and dying thing at the end and I, I right now the way that I feel I just wouldn't be bothered if we never saw a single one of those players again because the there's just no character to this team and the the it's just uh, I admit, I'm just feeling a bit negative right now, but it's just not good enough.
1: I, th- I think quite a few Wednesday fans share you know, that opinion, James. I-, I do get where they're coming from. The stats, the grim I- I, from the second half of the season for this team with the players they've got to have only won four times. It is embarrassing, and it's not good enough. And one home win in 2020, it's a problem. One win in 12, and. Like I've said before, with or without fans in the stadium, uh, it, <laughs> this team since the restart, they, they have not been able to turn things around. And, and Gary Monk hasn't been able to. And that's why he's facing a lot of questions right now about his situation. And people, I think, are rightly you know, wondering about the future and have questioned whether he is the right man to take Wednesday forward. I suppose the counter that I would put to that is that it's got the point. It's got to stop of where you know people blame the manager. I think it's there's a bigger picture. There is there's there's so much that needs doing, uh, and so you could you know you could sack Gary Monk tomorrow and bring in somebody else. For start, I don't actually think there are that many outstanding outstanding candidates out there. There's not many who I'd go in and just go, "Oh yeah," who would think, "Oh yeah, he could come in and do a better job than Gary Monk right now." And um, it, it comes back to what we said before about he's not had a transfer window to work with, and he's not brought in any of his coaching staff. So um, he, he was, he, you know, he has inherited a tough gig. There's no doubt about it. But at the same time. I I look at the players and I think to myself that for them to be third, and had it not been for Wigan's 12-point deduction, they would have finished 17th, James. 17th. Yeah, eight eight points off the relegation zone. No, it is. It's dreadful. It is. And it's been proper relegation form. Only Hull, bottom of the table Hull, who are a proper crisis club, are in a mess. Only Hull picked up fewer points than Wednesday, this calendar year. They picked up nine. Wednesday, have got 17 out of the last 23 games. O- unacceptable. It's, it's,
0: it's just appalling. Um, it's appalling. Yeah, We've
1: got a lot to do.
0: The the um, I, I'm not an advocate for just, if things aren't going right, just changing the manager. Because, and I've said this so many times, that... It's not worked for us for twenty years now. Just changing the manager when things go wrong. So I, I, I'm not. I, I'm not an advocate of, of just saying it's Monk's fault sacking. But here's my problem with Gary Monk right now. I am bored to the back teeth of hearing him say the same things week in, week out, but not getting the results. Right, and I'm going to read his his quotes here from after the match. It's cutting out the silly mistakes. It's something that needs addressing. It's food for thought for sure. Every week, every week we hear the same stuff. Nothing changes. Like I I, I I've we've talked about Gary Monk and the squad that he inherited and the need for a massive overhaul. That obviously hasn't changed. But you know, he inherited a team that was actually doing all right. And what we've got now is an absolute mess. Uh, And I I can't, I take no inspiration at all from what he says that I've got any faith that he can do it. And that leaves me in a right predicament because I don't want to turn around and just go, oh, let's get rid of Gary Mung because it's like, who's going to come in right now? You know, if you talk about crisis clubs, clubs in a mess, I'm not sure it gets any bigger than Sheffield Wednesday right now. We don't know what division we're going to be in. We don't know how many points we're going to be starting the season on. We don't know what kind of level of transfers we're going to be able to. To, to, to look at and what sort of business we're going to be able to do in the summer we don't know what size squad we're going to have we don't know anything right now so I don't I, I've got no faith at all that there'd be any you know good managers out there that would be attracted to Sheffield Wednesday but Like it it feels like Gary Monk needs to be set on some kind of training course on here's how to say things that are not out of your normal book, Gary, because what you say is absolutely boring as hell. And I've just had it, I'm sick of just hearing the same stuff again and again and again. We've got to cut out the silly mistakes. Look, you've got them on the training ground, mate. Go and sort it out. I
1: suppose. Uh, where I've got sympathy for him with the the period and the run of matches we've had, James, is that, well, no manager in the country, uh, you know, in the Championship and the Premier League, they haven't had any time to work on the training ground to cut out the mistakes. The, and the, But he did have the lockdown period, didn't he, for a couple of weeks before the start. and And actually, we did say that you look at the Forest match and Bristol City, the start of lockdown and the three-man defence, the change in formation, Luongo coming back in and Burner and uh, and Wickham was looking much improved. So we thought maybe the signs were that they were getting their act together, but they've just gone backwards again. And this, this has been really the theme of Gary Monk's reign, hasn't it? We're 10 months in. Yeah. Um, and it, it has every time we have thought oh maybe there is progress uh and you can understand or see where he's going then they, they've just taken a huge step backwards all the time and so i, I think that, i mean that's where the frustration stems from and and also it's it comes back to the identity doesn't it it does it comes back to how does he actually want this team to approach? I still feel as if we're none the wiser 10 months in. And that's the worry for me, that he's not really been able to make his mark or imprint yet on this squad or to, to get them in such a way of... Initially, we're thinking between September and December, when the third James, we're thinking, OK, Wednesday are well set up here. They're defensively quite well organised. They were keeping a lot of clean sheets. And then we know what happened. You know, they take a few senior players out of the squad. We won't go into that again. But everything then unraveled defensively, and confidence goes down as results go backwards. But this is it. It's like we did. There was a point of where, when coronavirus struck, it came at a good time for Wednesday, and that should have then been the period of where Gary Monks had three, or, three and a bit months with his coaching staff to look at right defensively. You guys, you're not doing your jobs. You're not up to it. I'd rather try and give some younger players a go here. Or, you know, as he did, he tweaked the formation and we saw a little bit of an improvement. But then, yeah, it, it's, it's one of them. <laughs> it's No consistency. No consistency whatsoever in performance. No.
0: And, and it brings us back to that same point again, doesn't it? About character. It's like you know, once once a team looks like it's turned a corner, then it, it's when the character of that squad kicks in to keep that momentum going. And what happens with um, Sheffield Wednesday? It's a bit like you know, we've all we've all got that friend who has like a self destruct button. Whenever things are going well, they manage to press the self destruct button and just wreck their lives. And Sheffield Wednesday right now. Is that friend that you know? Things seem to be going right, and then suddenly it's like, no, we're going to self destruct now, and it all falls to bits. And it's an and and it doesn't just fall to bits a bit. And it's like, oh, you know, we could have won that game. We lost two one last minute or something. It falls to bits spectacularly, and we're losing games five nil at home. And you know, we're letting we're, we're gifting Fulham five goals. It's like it's just, it, I don't know. It it it's as if. I, I've said this kind of phrase before about just, you know, kind of like this, this squad just being rotten to the core. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I, we're at a natural point now where whatever the heck happens with the EFL charge, this needs the biggest clear out that we've ever had, right? And and no one should be safe. There's no one that will say, oh, yeah, you know, You know, we talk about I.O. for stuff like that being really good this season. We talk about Murphy playing well. They've all been, you know, part of this squad that's that's been... Um, not even just just awful this season. Uh, And I'm not going to be disappointed about any single player leaving this summer and rebuilding. And, And it might mean that things have to get worse before they get better. But what we're doing at the moment is not working. And what we've been doing for the last two, three years is not working. It's not just since Gary Monk's come in, has it? You know, we've seen this squad capitulate with previous managers. And it's been a theme pretty much since the two playoff seasons where this squad when the going gets tough is just not up to it just doesn't have that character and it's just a top to bottom just just clear out and the problem is it goes deeper than that but there's nothing we can do about that and it's not even worth getting onto that subject but in terms of playing staff i i would rather us end up having to spend another couple of years in league one and rebuilding with an actual team that's got something about it if that's what it Takes um, and and going again from that point, the muddling on with a squad that are supposedly good players, who you stick them all together, the and they're just they're not they're not they're not fit to wear that shirt.
1: We've already seen though, James, that quite a few of the senior players they departed, right? Sam Winnell, Sam Hutchinson, the three players that declined the contract extensions. So that's big savings off a wage bill. We don't know what's going to happen yet. Vati Niu, you, Kieran Lee, uh, w- whether they're going to stay or not. Um, you know, we'll, we'll find out probably in the next week or so. Uh, but if Wednesday decide to cut the ties with them, uh, then that's, that's seven players gone from the squad. And I was looking at it, it. It's already got the makings of a very youthful looking side, not a lot of experience. And uh, as we know, only one contracted striker. Uh, who hasn't even featured uh, in the last four matches and has been an unused sub. So um, the rebuild is enormous. And it's no exaggeration to say, is it, James, that I think that this summer, it's the biggest in Sheffield Wednesday's modern history. And it's also the biggest transfer window so far of De Ponchan series premiership, without a shadow of a doubt.
0: Yeah, can't can't disagree with that in the in the slightest. It is it's huge and um we've we've had disagreements in the past about Wednesday's particularly recent transfer dealings. I think I still have serious question marks. Um I think you kind of feel that things have got better. Um I'm not entirely convinced. I think but, it has been better. You know, this, this, some, oh, no, I, this I, summer. This summer will it, it doesn't ultimately it doesn't really yeah. matter, does it? Because the scale of the rebuild this summer will dwarf any other transfer window. You know, it it is, or it it, it almost is a top to bottom rebuild. I mean, we've barely got, what is it, something like 14, 15 contracted players once all this is kind of, you know, played out and the loan players go back and stuff like that. And you would think that even some of those will probably go. So, you know, it is, we're looking at double figures in terms of the number of players that we've got to either bring in or, you know, promote from, within the ranks. It, it is a huge, huge, huge project.
1: Hey, James, but before we it, get to It's James, frustrating at I'll the moment. In. We still don't
0: really know what we're planning for, do we? That, that, that obviously yeah. is a different matter. Sorry, Dom. Saying.
1: No, no, I was just going to say, let, let me butt in, actually, because while you're talking about um, Wednesday promoting players from their own ranks, so, you know, we haven't touched on the, the debutant from the other night, actually, Liam Shaw. What, what did you make to his first Wednesday start?
0: um i thought um first half i thought he actually looked really good and, and and looked quite composed he didn't look out of his depth at all um second half i was i was very much flicking between two or three games so can't really kind of give much of a uh, an opinion on on kind of individual performances in the second half just kind of saw the patterns and stuff like that but um you know i i, I thought you know him and and alex hunt and obviously, there's been other players on the bench as well who've not got a look in, but they're probably the only positives that we really take from, you know, post kind of lockdown period onwards in terms of, you know, there, there are a couple of players. And I, I ranted earlier saying you could get rid of all of them. Look, uh, 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 to, to make that clear, you know, Alex Hunt and Liam Shaw are, are discounted from that because they, they really are part of the, the future. Um, and good sign that there is other players on the bench as well. Um, it's been it has been a while, hasn't it, since we've seen an outfield player certainly mm. that's kind of come through the ranks at, at, at Hillsborough, um, and and that is whether we like it or not, that is going to play a part in the next few um, next few months and the, probably the next few years for, for Wednesday because you know we, we're not going to be able to just buy an entire new squad. We are going to be looking at some of those younger players, aren't we?
1: Definitely. Uh, And right now, yeah, coming back to the points, some of them that you've made already, where we still don't know what division Wednesday are going to be playing in next season. And so that has made planning uh, understandably incredibly difficult right now. Uh, They may have identified certain players right now, the recruitment team, but they don't know what budget they're going to be working with as they're not sure yet whether they're going to be you're looking for championship players or League One players, and and that will then apply to the out of contract players as well, with uh, Atinu and Kevin Lee. Uh, so you could be looking at Wednesday maybe in a position, regardless of whether they stop up or if they were sent down by the FL charge offering those two reduced terms if they wanted to stay, you know, and if Wednesday wanted to keep them. So you could be looking at that scenario. And then also you've got the salary cap that they're talking of bringing into the championship too. So in fact, I, I suppose from that point of view, if the salary cap comes into the championship and it looks like it's on the cards, then the last month and a bit will have benefited Wednesday. And in fact, the last year or so of where you've seen all those strikers who were on the big, big money, the big bucks, they, they, they've, they've gone over than Jordan roads. Uh, so Wednesday have seriously trimmed the wage bill. So when we're looking for, um, silver <laughs> we're looking for silver linings right now aren't we we're looking for some sort of positivity then i may be clutching a little bit at straws but that's perhaps what i'm going to ha- hang my hat on today james maybe that um some of the decisions uh, that wednesday have made or some of um the things that have happened over the last 12 months could benefit them
0: Let's let's talk about one well, let's talk about a couple of the names that you mentioned in there then. So Ati um, he is, you know, probably one of the most marmite characters we've ever had at the football club. The the kind of put the the stuff on Instagram from other players would suggest that it's the end of the road, although nothing Official, um, how, how many years is it now? Is it nine years? Seven. It's been Wednesday, seven. seven years it's been a, a, a Wednesday. Um, I mean, he's not been super prolific in that period, although he's not played a, a huge amount of games either. He kind of, you know, has found super sub to be his kind of role in the last few um, years. I'm not his biggest fan, and yet I have found myself almost a little bit tearful at the thought of him now Departing because you know he really has become part of uh, of this football club, um, but it does it does feel like the right time for him to move on now.
1: No, it's time to move on, James. There's no there's no room for sentiment whatsoever. Acty knew you good good servant. Seven years with Sheffield Wednesday, two hundred what seventy seven matches. He's got fifty goals. His job's to score goals, James, and so he averages one in every seven. Now, I know that there will be people who will turn around and say, well, okay, nearly half of them have come off the bench. But the reason why uh, most or over half of his appearance has been from off the bench, James, is because he's consistently not done it when he started matches. That's why. So he's been an impact player, uh, and he uh, is a very good sort of trump card to maybe have up your sleeve at times when you're looking in the last 20 or minutes to change games. But as far as I'm concerned, I want to start upgrading the first 11. That's what I want to be focusing on right now. And AttyNuyu has not done enough over the piece to justify a new deal. And Wednesday, they've got to be ruthless and they've got to be strategic and they've got to make sensible decisions moving forward and you talked about the rebuild and that Wednesday um, need to bring in well a lot of players this summer and I would be completely revamping the forward line for a start so yeah Atti thanks for your time you've done great or uh, well you, you know you've played a part um over the last 7 years um you've been a good you know, good character to have around the place but yeah Wednesday need to move on
0: Uh, We talk about Atty being a good servant over seven years. Uh, Kieran Lee, even longer because he arrived before Atty um, knew you. So, um, same question marks there. I mean, uh, Kieran Lee's been a player that these question marks have been there for a while because obviously he went through a period with, you know, bad injury issues and it maybe looked like his time was up um, prior to now. W- what are your thoughts on Kieran Lee? I- I'm, I've am i been a little bit torn in terms of thinking, well, actually, you know, he is just, he's one of those players that gets his head down, just gets on with the job. Um, but I-, I can't shift from what I said earlier in terms of the fact that I as I- Right now, you know, pretty much anyone that we can get rid of, I think we should do because this, this, these group of players just aren't good enough. So for me, it's the end of the line for Kieran Lee as well.
1: I, I really want to stop agreeing with you, James. It doesn't make for a good podcast for a start. Uh, but <laughs> no, the, rea- the reality is that, yeah, no, I, I'm in full agreement with you on Kieran Lee and and knew you. But you know, with Kieran Lee. He was wonderful, wasn't he, for a few years. I would say from sort of the full season Stuart Gray had with him, and then the back-to-back playoffs, particularly the you know the Wembley run, you know where he's he's had two years in a row there, where I think he got half dozen plus goals from midfield. You know he was a serious goal threat. He played every week. Uh, you knew what you were going to get from Kieran Lee. He was a quality operator in that period. But what we've seen over time, the injuries, uh, uh, you know, he was out of, he was on the sidelines for what the best part of a year and a bit, I think, you know, of where, um, you know, he's had multiple hip surgeries uh, and he's probably had virtually every injury you could think of uh, or niggles. And this season, actually, He's what played, I think, around the thirty games mark. So actually, you know, he's played more than I think a lot of people would have thought, really. Uh, And he's the type who, he's not, you know, who wouldn't moan really if he doesn't play week in, week out, and was maybe, you know, know, as long as he was in the squad or whatever, I think, you know, he'd be quite happy to play his part. But he's he's thirty two now with his injury track record. And actually, when you're looking at it, Wednesday are wanting to bring in the Manchester City midfielder, yeah, Fizehu Deli Bashiru. Uh, so if you're keeping Kieran Lee, I think it's actually sending out the wrong message to what you're trying to create in midfield. With Right now, with the players that they've got left, James, in the squad, central midfield is actually the area where they've got loads of options. When you, when you look at it, Barry Bannon, Luongo, Pelly Pessy, Alex Hunt, Liam Shaw, and then potentially FDB. So I I personally don't think it makes any sense to keep Kieran Lee for a number of the reasons that I've just highlighted.
0: Yep, yeah, makes, makes good sense. So we're shifting those two on. Any other lone players that you want to bring back? Obviously, kind of Jacob Murphy, I think most Wednesday fans would say has been one of the high points Probably unlikely, isn't
1: it? I think it is unlikely. It's funny, I I did speak to Jacob Murphy's agent around a month or so ago and he said um, that Jacob Murphy was loving it, enjoying his time at Wednesday uh, and that he would be open to returning to Wednesday next season. And he actually said, quote-unquote, that Wednesday are in the box seat for him. But that was a month or so ago. And since then, Jacob Murphy's carried on being Wednesday's best attacking player, hasn't he? Uh, and and to, to finish the season with nine goals, what, half a dozen or so assists. You know, since lockdown, you know, he has been Wednesday's outstanding performer. He has been. And so there's going to be, I'm sure, plenty of interest in Jake Murphy. I think it's going to be difficult for Wednesday to bring him back next season. And of course, the ball is in Newcastle's court. It's up to Newcastle what they want to do with him, isn't it? You so are they going to be prepared to loan him out next season? Which may, for Wednesday, you would think, be more feasible than a permanent signing. As if Newcastle want to sell him permanently, they paid twelve million for him. What they're going to take, you know, how much yeah. money are you looking at? I think that could price Wednesday out of it, and I know that a number of Championship clubs are already looking at Jacob Murphy and keeping a close eye on his situation. So, uh, yeah, I, I do fear that it's going to be really difficult with Jacob Murphy. And to answer your question on loan players, in an ideal world, I, I'd love for Wednesday to bring Jacob Murphy back and actually Josh Windass as well. Josh Windass with Wigan going down and Wigan maybe needing to sell a few players. I know that they've had a few bids for Kiefer Moore uh, as an example, uh in the last week or so. I, I I I wouldn't mind seeing Josh Windass back as well uh, at a time when Wednesday uh, are not blessed with many forward options.
0: Yeah, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that because I think that Josh Windass has, has shown um he's got he's got a work rate hasn't he? He works quite hard. The signs of the fact that you know he's got quite a good attitude on, on the lad. Um Alessio de Cruz
1: no sorry i we've seen flashes of um the ability that de Cruz has got. He's not scored <laughs> he's not scored yeah. and, and he, and he played well i thought at qPR um but he looks too raw for me um and he's twenty three now uh, and, and and really he plays a little bit like what you'd expect maybe an eighteen or nineteen year old uh and and you know we saw. His limitations for me at Fulham, where he was, he was bullied and he was out-muscled. He couldn't hold the ball up, neither him or Josh Windass. They, they didn't get a kick at Fulham. And that, that for me, was an illustration of, you no, know, Wednesday, I think, you no, know, De Cruz hasn't done enough.
0: Fair enough. So, conclusion of all this, get rid of them all, start again.
1: <laughs> that's definitely been your conclusion and thought of the day uh james yeah well the only other one was conor wickham and conor wickham he looked like a premier league player for about three to four matches but then um unfortunately for conor wickham the story of his career the last couple of years injuries he then didn't play for four games and then he came back and uh no, he he looked off the pace as well. I thought. In fact, in in the last two matches, he contributed very little. Uh, so no, uh, and and also you're looking at Premier League wages. Another one who the reality is he might be out of Wednesday's price range.
0: Yeah, agree with um, agree with that. And I I didn't see enough from Connor Wickham to think. Yeah, got to bring him back and. Um, you know, it's, he he is unfortunately, you know, he's, he's he's associated with a period of Wednesday's history, and he falls into that category really of being part of the past and probably not part of the future. So, um, I think um, that's a bit of a no go, and we'll we'll see what else happens. Um, all right, let's talk about Wednesday Bet. So um, delighted to have Wednesday Bet on board as um, our uh, one of our new sponsors, and it did launch this week. So this is going to be big news for next season. So this is not kind of you think about. Betting and stuff like that, and this is not kind of like the the normal sort of um, the normal sort of thing. So, if you've if you've downloaded the app, then you might have already had a go on um, Wednesday for the first time on Wednesday evening. So, how this works is that you're asked a number of questions about the game. So, it'll be like, will Wednesday win? Will Barry Bannon get an assist? Um, how many saves will the goalkeeper make? Uh, and you answer all these questions, and you're given points, and um, that decides ultimately. Uh, where you sit within the kind of the league table and ultimately how much money you can win. So um, it's a, a set amount to take part. It was free to take part this week. It's really good. Um, so get it downloaded, get, get ready for next season. Um, me and Dom both had a go on it um, this week. I can't remember what the questions were, but it was stuff like how many corners will Wednesday to get. Uh, there was the question... Will Sheffield Wednesday win? Unfortunately, I said yes. I was being far too optimistic uh, because I forgot that we're absolutely rubbish at home. Um, And overall, I got, let me have a look on my phone and I can tell you, I got, I think it was nine points altogether, uh, which puts me in, uh, give me a second, 123rd place overall. And um, I am fairly confident that I will be above um, Dom. Dom, what, what did you get?
1: I got a gentleman seven, James.
0: Ah, well, in which case I am far in advance of you. So, uh, yes, uh, quick mention here for, um, it's great. Kind of all these, um, the usernames that people have got. So we've got in first place, uh, Lomi 94 and SWFC fan 82, who both got 17 points, uh, which is pretty good. So win, uh, 375 pounds each. So, um, Get this, um, get it downloaded. Wednesday Bet, uh, ready for next season, uh, and we'll be having some fun with that um, through uh, through the the new season, whenever that may be. And um, kind of right now, Dom, I want to say, well, that's that, and that wraps us up for this season. But it kind of doesn't because we've we've still got some we've still got some stuff to happen. Um, so I guess we'll be back to chat about that whenever there is a conclusion, whenever that is, and we've still got no idea when that might be.
1: Uh yeah, that's pretty much the uh, top and bottom of it, James. That's right. But, uh, yeah, I think we've, we've got a few plans maybe for the summer, a few uh, interesting features, I think, and uh, ideas. Uh, and uh, we'll no doubt be looking ahead to next season, which looks like it's probably going to kick off sort of around September the 12th, I think. So, actually, you're talking about six weeks. Not long, really. Uh, it will you know soon come around again
0: i didn't realize that it's that in my head it's still like april Um he realize we we're six weeks away from the middle of September crikey right well yes we uh, we will be back over the summer as well uh, in the meantime you can catch Dom at Dom I'm at James Marriott or contact the show at Dom and James thank you to our gold pi- partners Title Law who you can find at titlelaw.co.uk and Wednesday Bet who we've just been talking about which is available to download from your app store now uh, thank you for joining us if you like singing the blues please rate and review the show in your podcast app up the owls and see you next week